Welcome to Haven, the podcast where we explore the vast landscape of loss. There's no going over or around grief. We're going to take it piece by piece and navigate these tough topics the only way we know how, by going through it. This podcast discusses miscarriage, pregnancy, infant, and child loss. So please listen with care. Silent mystery. I'm Jen Burgard, your host, and following my own personal tragedy, founded Haven Landscape of Loss. We are telling stories of loss and sharing our perspectives about surviving grief. Many times those stories offer perspectives of years of grief gone by, but today we're talking to a mom who is in the thick of it right now. At just four months since the loss of her sweet girl, June Stilly shares what everyone should know about life in the immediate after. All right. Welcome, June. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Great. Well, will you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Sure. My name's June. I'm from Southwest Virginia. I'm the mom to a bonus mom to a stepson. And then I have a six-year-old little girl, a three-year-old little boy. And then I'm the mom to Magnolia, who... I conceived back in July of last year and then had to let go. So July. Um, October 27th of last year. Just October 27th. Um, I'm a photographer with a nursing background. I left nursing last year just to focus on one and then to be home with babies and such and not miss these little years. But I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a many an animal mom. <laughs> <laughs> You have your hands full. That's the gist of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so glad to have you. So you said that October, so just for reference, as we record, it is almost the end of February of 2023. So October of 2022. So I'm right at having to say goodbye to her four months in a day. Four months in a day. That is not a lot of time. No. No. It's wild because it feels like not a lot of time and then it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about your pregnancy with Magnolia. So Magnolia was, (laughs) goodness, there's so much to her. When I had just delivered my son and he's almost four years old now, I felt this little knocking in my heart and my head from God going, you're supposed to have another baby. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm good. You know, I've got a two and a half year old, a newborn and I felt his push on my heart just continue. And so continued to pray and search. My husband and I talked a lot about it. He supported me and saying, I'm like, this is something that's, I really feel like she's above me. It's more. And I knew early on she would be a girl, had a name picked out, just knew. And then God kind of turned that on me too. I heard this Brett Eldridge song, Magnolia. And I'm like, nope, that's her name. And so we had to go through infertility to conceive her. It took a year and eight months with my other children that I birthed. It was very quick. So that was a whole journey in itself too, for Mm -hmm. both of us that, you know, tested my faith and all kinds of feelings, but I knew she was to be. So we conceived her in July and I can't describe in that I truly felt the most whole that I've ever felt in my life. There were supposed to be three little sets of feet in our house. I knew it just all my life made complete sense. I've never had it like that. And 
I was sick with her, but I was so grateful to have her in me and to be pregnant with her that I didn't care. I didn't how how tired, you know, and I'm 38. So I'm not a young mommy. And so I was just so grateful. And I was very close two days before my routine 16 week appointment. You know, I'd already passed through my 12 week, 14 week, you know, and they're like, Oh, everything looks great. And you're, now the chances are so low now of anything mm-hmm. happening, your second term or second trimester. Da, da, da. But two days before my appointment, I suddenly felt that something was very wrong. I couldn't say that it pertained to my pregnancy, but something very wrong was in my world. But there was nothing I could do to change it. I had that feeling. I remember every about aspect of the day. I knew my life had changed forever, but I had no idea how. And so, and I had the thought, you know, my OB, my provider, and I'm so grateful that I have wonderful providers. It's a OB and his midwife. And they always said, you know, if you feel nervous, anxious, come in. But I just, I can't explain where. It's like, no. So I had the feeling that something was very wrong, but there was nothing I could do to change it. So the next day goes by still have that doom feeling the next day and get ready to go to this appointment. And I already feel numb. I can't explain that. I just something, I didn't even want my husband to go to the appointment, but I'm so glad he did. But she's talking to me even checking in how it's been. And I just, I feel already disconnected. So the midwife is asking me the questions of how I've been since she last saw. And I said, yeah, I was a little more anxious. And she's like, well, next time you need to come in. I was like, okay. And as soon as she put the ultrasound wand on my tummy, I knew. <laughs> Up until that time, I'd seen her alive in me and I'd seen two other babies. Mm, yeah. So you knew I what knew you were what looking for. Like. Yeah. yeah. I knew it. I knew exactly what that was. And I saw this slumped baby and I saw no flutter. And I, and I asked her, I said, what are you looking for? Because I read, you know, from being... In the medical world myself, you know, I, I I can read people too. And she's like, just trying to get a picture picture. Yeah. And I knew. Yeah. And from that earth shattering moment came having to go down because their office in the hospital to go down to another ultrasound tech to confirm. To, and then from there, it's back up to the office and they start planning an induction. I thought I would go home and deliver her. I didn't know that that would be involved. Oh yeah. And so then it's making the phone calls and sending the messages, the people I needed to, to prepare things for my other children, make sure they're taken care of so we can go in that night and, and induce her. And so we went at midnight that night. So we went home for a little while trying to figure out what do we do? What do you like? What do we need to take? Like all these things and had to tell my other children. And their sister had died. How did that go? How did they take that? Well, my three-year-old is very, he's an old soul. Mm -hmm. And so, well, where is she? I'm like, well, you know, her body's in mommy, but, you know, her soul's with God. You know, God's got her. Okay. But that means I don't get to see her. My six-year-old, so excited kissed my belly all the time it made her a stack of artwork was in love with her Mm -hmm. crumbled absolutely crumbled 
that was probably one of the hardest conversations I'll ever have in my life was telling her I had to pick her up from school, try to hold it together till I got home with my husband for us to both tell her. She was devastated, cried herself to sleep for I can't tell you how long, how many nights. I mean, it long, you know, a long time. Yeah. That was very hard. Yeah. It's still hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still very hard. Of course it is. Um, yeah. Because not only do I see my own grief, but I'm trying to see the new grief of my husband, of them, of my mother, who knows very much of what it's like now, of what she's missing out on about having that grandchild. So while I'm learning all of this grief and what it even means, I'm watching them do it too. Yeah. And try to be there for them while, you know, figuring out for me. And that's, isn't that the truth though? Because as the mom, right? We are sometimes, it almost feels like we are at just the center, the nucleus of it all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it all comes down to you. And while you're trying to navigate this crazy situation that you never anticipated, you're also, it sounds like, trying to captain that ship, right, for everybody else in your family. And, you know, you're always, right, answering the questions of what happened. It's always typically, right, you know, our partners can be really helpful in that. But at the end of the day, I do feel like it always comes down to the mom. Yes. And my husband would even agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not, you know, I feel like dads and moms are so ultimately important because their roles are so different. Yeah. But in this realm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we'll go ask mom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even on the big to the little sometimes. Right. So, or yeah. a lot of times, but yeah, yeah. So you went to the hospital after this, and you and your husband mm-hmm. go alone. We go alone. I'm a photographer, and even I, one of my other friends, while we were home trying to figure out what do you even bring to the hospital when you're not going to bring a baby home. And I had already, because I knew how tired I was, I knew I would just get more tired. I had already planned and bought so much, right? Oh, yeah. Like had the wallpaper for a room. We had the furniture. We had, I had just gotten a, all these secondhand clothes. I was, had all these special things, but down to, I didn't even have, I'm like, well, I, I feel like I need, like, I don't have a blanket to even hold her. In. Like she didn't have a blanket. So it was like, okay. My husband was like, well, how about you do a target pickup? You won't have to see anybody. You can look. And so I'm holding that right now because I got my mom to bring my baby blanket. So a piece of that could go with her when she went to the funeral home. Cause I didn't want her to be without something that was me or us. And then I have this now that she was on. And I'm so grateful for that because for some of the earliest days for a long time, it went everywhere. I went, it went in the car. It slept in whatever bed, you know, all the things, but it was just me and my husband, but I was, I'm a photographer and I didn't even think about it. One of my friends was like, you should see if you're your best friend, who's also a photographer could come. And so reached out to her. We were able to secure somewhat of a plan because she has littles too. And had that and another photographer backed up, you know, as a backup, because I'd had her at the birth of my son and then right after with my daughter. So I knew how important. Mm-hmm. And so besides myself and my husband and then 
the beautiful providers that I had. She was the only person to hold her, you know, but she's my best friend. And I ended up in her arm. I'm like, you're Aunt Whitney. You know, she'd mm-hmm. captured all kinds of things. She knew her gender. I gave her the card and we did the whole rocket thing, you know. So she was the first one that knew what officially per the paper, what she was other yeah. than I knew in my heart. I had to, you know, and they told me it's a lot. You should get an epidural. It's going to be a lot of pain. Like you've had two labors. Like it's not just because she's this much smaller that it's not going to be really hard. And I said, no. And I'd had epidurals with both of my others. And I said, no, I want to feel every ounce of her because that's all I'm going to have left. I want every memory, every bit of her. I, you know, so I, you know, started this whole abduction process at midnight and she was born at 10, 12 a.m. And I have to say, and I got multiple doses of medicine that was it felt impossible to take medicine to make your baby leave you. But you're like, this is so wrong. And I yeah. said that so many times. I'm like, this is so wrong. This isn't right. Like, I already felt like I was walking in a hellish nightmare. You know, it just kind of intensified, intensified. But then I started being afraid because I really didn't even have period cramping. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? How, how bad will get this get? You know, I didn't want my husband to watch me. That was more my fear then. I didn't want to put him through more and worrying about me, but they were about to give me another dose. And I can't tell you his mother's intuition, but I said, I think you need to check me before, you know, you give me another dose. And I'd already halfway delivered her. Oh my gosh. And I count that as one of the kindnesses that she gave me all through this too, because I barely had any pain. And I know that's not the case most of the time. Right. Whether you're at home, you're getting induced in the hospital, all of this. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience. And then it was just soaking up, holding this teeny tiny perfect baby. Perfect. With all the details, with, you know, just beautiful. And trying to soak up moments with her. And you're trying to fit in all the things that you think you have a lifetime, even what songs would you sing over her? What prayers would I say over her? And, you know, the fact of the matter is you're never going to have enough time. Whether your child lives to be 100 or, you know, you get what I had or less. It's never enough. That's true. And so within the hospital, we had to plan, you know, funeral planning. And what does that look like? And did we want an autopsy and... All these things, too, that and while we were waiting for her to come, we tried to line up as much of that as possible because I wanted to be able to soak her in once she was with me. Yep. But, yeah, it's I look back even at all of it now, even within this. And I did in the earliest days, too, of going, was this all a dream? You know, and I know it's not because a big chunk of my heart is gone and will never be back. And that's fine because at least she has it with her. It's just my, you go from just pure bliss as much as you can within this world we live in to utter desolation. And you're thinking, how in the world did this happen? How? And that's the reality of it, right? Because it switches so quickly, right? And there's the before and the after we always talk about and yeah, you live on one side or the other of it. And that really is what child loss is, 
you know, a big part of it. So how long did you get to spend with her in the hospital then? I stayed with her until about three or four o'clock. You know, they were really great and saying, you know, take all the time you needed. But as we got past some of the time, I started feeling the longer I stay, the harder it's going to be to leave her and to give her to someone else. So I finally told my husband, I said, I think we need to do what we need to do to, to go home because I'm never going to want to leave her. And every moment it's getting harder to think that I have to. Yeah. But again, I'm so grateful to the staff and my providers that said, it doesn't matter how long, you know, and the funeral home came and took her. And then we did get to see her again there when we made the planning for her cremation and such. So we got another time to see her and hold her and do the things. But again, it's never enough. No. It's never enough. And it's a surreal nightmare while you're trying to piece together now that you have to parent a child that's not with you. How do you do that? You know, and then you realize very quickly, I mean, upon coming home, okay, this is my life now. There is no waking up. And where am I? Like, I felt like I've been dropped into a dark, desolate place with no light, with no map, no idea how to get out of there. And I'm the kind of person who usually knows what to do. I've planned A, planned B, planned C. I've done all the things and I have no plan for this. You know, I, I knew early on that I wanted to be as honest and open with her, about her, sharing her, because I think as I've found through other, the other moms in the lost mom community, the cruelest club out there, that the big thing you're so desperately worried about is your baby being remembered. And that was me. This person who I've already loved for years and I was going to love their and will the rest of my lifetime and beyond. And I don't get to see them in the hospital of what they look like alive and breathing. I don't get to bring them home. I don't get to pick out a first outfit. I don't get to send them off to school. I don't get to pick out their wedding dress. I don't get to watch them have babies. I don't get any of that. But the big thing is she doesn't. And I don't get these opportunities and all those moments to show her how much I cherish her. People just don't see. They see that, oh, you don't bring the baby home. Can't imagine how hard that has to be. But they don't see that there's so much more behind it. More than they'll ever know. Unless they've walked this road. And you're doing it right now. I mean, you're showing her how important she is, right? You're doing it right now by sharing her story with us and with others about the complexities of where you're at right now. Because behind, right? Because you're living this life, you're walking this day in and day out, but 
you could be, like you said, doing a Target pickup, going to the grocery store, and no one knows, right, that that's what your path is right now. No one knows what you're walking. And, you know, you're so worried, too, about is there going to be someone that didn't hear the news that you lost your baby? And it's going to come out of nowhere. And that's what I've, I've experienced the loss of a parent of grandparents that were really influential in my life. I've never, this is a whole new road. Hmm. It's so different and little things come out of nowhere. You can't expect them. You can't know that, you know, what certain things will be hard, but it will be the simplest thing. And I'm crumble. And you're again, I'm still trying to, because I've been very open about crying. You know, the moments when I'm totally losing it, I try to not do that in front of my other children. But, you know, I've been open about tears because I want them to see that that is a big part of life. God made us to cry for a reason. And, you know, but they obviously it worries them. Yeah. So there's the balance line of what to show, when to show, what you can hold in, what you can't. Should you, you know... Who really wants to hear your story? Who doesn't? The family members who saw I knew knew soon after one night when we made ourselves go out to eat, do something, and they just walked up to, hey, how you doing? So great to see you guys doing good. And I'm just looking around like, did this just happen? Right. They this couldn't know. have just happened. Right. And I look at my husband and he jumps in for me. There will be people that will surprise you beautifully and how they show up. And there will be people that devastate you on how they don't. And we all come to life with different experiences, obviously, and comfort. But you realize when you become a, a lost parent that the world is not comfortable with grief. Our society does not want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And especially baby loss where this happens so frequently, but it's worse than taboo. And if this happens so often, then why don't we know how to address it? Why don't we have compassion for it? Why don't we educate ourselves in what to do? Because granted, we all grieve differently. Yeah, We're all different. But I've said to my husband before, I'd rather at least someone try and acknowledge and fall flat on their face than to treat my child as someone that didn't happen and or my love for her as an inconsequential thing. Mm -hmm. I'd rather them fall flat on their face. Because at least if they do, that's an indication that they care, right? Right. I mean, it's an indication they care and it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity for them to learn like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for those thoughtful words. I appreciate it here's some tips for next time, right? Or, or you know, and, right. and I think the person that took the, made the effort to say something is going to be the person who's going to take that constructive note, right? I won't even call it criticism, right? Because we're so proud of them for even taking that step that I can't even call it a criticism, right? No, not at all. It's yeah. bravery. Yeah, it is. And it's even just, the people that would reach out and go, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what to say to you. I'm so sorry. And I would tell them, thank you. That's you don't, what you say. There's nothing you can say to me. No. I promise. Yeah. But you showing that Magnolia matters. Mm-hmm. You showing that you care about me. Like, you care about my family. That 
There's not enough thanks that I can give you for that. I don't expect you to say anything to make this better. Right. There is nothing to make the, this better. Yeah. If, if I could fix it myself, I would. Right. I mean, exactly. And so no exactly. one else is going to fix it. But in those moments, what you do remember is kindness, right? The folks that are kind and that that show up. I mean, yeah. you know, you're really in that space right now. You know, you're only four plus months out. And, you know, I imagine that people are still surprising you and making, oh, right? Doubt. Right? Like one way or the other. I mean. And in some ways, I'm more fatigued now than I was early on, Mm -hmm. like within, you know, I didn't sleep hardly at all the first few weeks, you know, a month, but now I'm worn from it. And I've experienced this grief fog in some ways. It's a different thick now. And I've already had to go through holidays trying to figure that out. And soon I'll have her due date. You're not even towards due date yet. And I very much had spring on my mind with her being born. Mm-hmm. We're about to take a trip that I had to put on hold per my OB because I'd be too pregnant. And now we're about to leave for this trip, a trip I shouldn't be able to take. And while I'm grateful that I get to make these memories with my family, I'd rather have my baby back any day, any moment. So there's all these contrasts all the time. Right. All the time. Every day, you're having to wake up and do it all over again and then face something else that you were like, oh, yeah, I've got to do this, too. Or I've got this new thing. How do I manage this? How do I navigate this? Sometimes I wonder if pregnancy brain, right? We talk about that. And I think there's some theory to it that that as moms right our our brains are just so preoccupied thinking about baby and right being excited yes. planning nerves yeah. like all the things right we have so much going on up here <laughs> so many tabs open we right when we're pregnant mm-hmm. and but then when our baby dies and we talk about grief fog because mm-hmm. pregnancy brain is over right but now right. instead it's replaced with this grief fog and I think the levels of how heavy that is vary, right? But Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about, I can use my own experience and think about where you're at right now. And I used to think of it as just this veil, a veil that kind of cast itself over my entire life because you think about your baby every minute of every day still, right? Yes, you do. And so that thought is clouding everything else right? Because it's mm-hmm. always there. Well, I wouldn't be on packing for this vacation if Magnolia was here. I wouldn't be right. setting this up. I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be doing this instead. I'd be getting excited for this. So it's always what would always. have been, right? And and you can't control that. You know, you can't control your brain. No. And you don't want to let that go either. Right. Because that's all I have. That's how you she know, exists for you right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's this contrast all the time. And I've had people go, well, it's not what you only have. And I'm like, you're not living my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will you tell me what I do have yeah. <laughs> it, of her, you know, other than the memories that I did have, you know, right. but in this moment, I have to live my life here on earth without her the rest of my life. As a mom to two other beautiful children. And a bonus stepson. 
But I look at those three and I look at all the things too. It's a reminder of the things I won't get with her. Yeah. I'm so great. I can't thank God enough for these souls, but I also see, well, I won't get to see what candy she would want as a treat after breakfast or, <laughs> you know, it's all the little things too. The little is the big. And that doesn't change after you don't have them with you. Does it make you more fearful at all with your living children? Almost definitely. Yeah. If the world can come crashing down and I could lose a child and I could lose my other children. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel, I always felt so, my, I just ached and empathetic for my friends who were walk the road I'm now walking. And I thought, I don't know how, how do you do that? The answer is because you don't have a choice, but it's like that. You just don't, I can remember literally a couple weeks before Magnolia passed. I mean, October is pregnancy loss awareness month. And I made a point to reach out and post on social media for the friends that I have that have lost babies. And, but you don't think you're going to be that one. No way. <laughs> No way. Not me. Oh, you know, when right? I put this, that together, like, oh my gosh, like I acknowledged that, didn't know how that would be. And then that happened to me all in the same month. But yes, you, if you know that that bad thing can happen to you, then all the rest of the bad things can happen to you too. And you're waiting for it to happen. Right. It's like what trap door next is going to, yeah. is going to break open. They're coming probably. Cause this one you didn't think was coming and it came. Oh, oh Yeah. Oh, and I try, I think most of us try not to feed too much into it, right? Because you'll make yourself Most nuts, definitely. Right? Yeah. And yeah. try to think about what is real and what is true, right? And I think that was good advice that I always received, you know, what is real and what is true for today, you know, because we can't control it. And yeah, you think, God, can lightning strike again twice? You know, can, can it strike mm -hmm. twice? And it can, and it does. And it does with some people. It does it multiple, yeah. multiple times. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and it's such a tough spot because there's so many questions. Like you're still, you know, probably replaying the whole thing in your head, you mm -hmm. know, on a regular basis. And it's a little loop. And I, I don't know. I think what I was surprised by and so I'm eternally grateful for within this too was, again, I have beautiful support, but you're still left within yourself. Right. And all of these new things you have to consider and mourn and think about. And the place I really felt very much seen was in the lost mom community. I can't remember when I had the strength to even go on social media. And I still haven't read all the comments under when we announced that she had died because I just can't yet even. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't. I'll do a little at a time and comment and then I have to leave it alone for a long time. But one of the things I did was I went into Instagram and baby loss and I watched reel after reel. And that's where I first got introduced to the lost mom community. And that so many of the feelings, so many of the thoughts, so many of the fears that I had other moms felt mm -hmm. I wasn't alone. in that. And, you know, one of the things I think even at this stage in my grief very early, I would say connect with the lost mom community because you won't feel so desolately alone. Because no matter how much the people around you are trying to love you, you feel so alone. Never felt more alone in all my life. In any other the heart, I've never felt this alone. 
That's the truth, right? I mean, you can be surrounded by people and feel alone. And yeah. that is what this is. And it's so hard to describe, right? But if yes, you've been there, is. you've been there and you know. And right. I believe that's why, you know, the lost parent community is so important because it's just looking back into the eyes of someone who, who gets it and you don't even have to over-explain it because they just get it. It just yeah. feels... Knowing that they know that pain, I don't know. There's something to it, and I can't even describe it necessarily. But you feel seen, I think. Yeah. Where you walk around like a stranger in most of your other realms, and you feel validated isn't even the word. But yeah. I know it's really hard to find those right words for that understanding and you at the same time wish they so badly because you wouldn't wish this on no right anyone. on anyone yeah so day in and day out I mean right there's some that are long but it's 24 hours a day right and we talk yeah. about that isolation and and it's 24 hours you know every single day of surviving at this point for you and yeah. trying to get through that and trying to be strong for the people around you for your family for yourself, right? And for Magnolia. Yeah. So right. can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing to honor Magnolia now? Well, I've always had a drive, but I didn't know how it would be funneled into helping specifically mamas. Because once I had my first baby, I thought, and I had support, what do mamas do without support? Like I just, and you see all these social issues going on and things that happen. You're like, if we supported moms, We'd support the world. Yep. <laughs> you know, true. it yeah. would be huge. It would be huge. And it's to me very simple, but I didn't know how that would look. And very, I mean, I'm talking days. I remember telling my husband, I feel like I want to. And at first I thought, I said, I want to do something to honor Magnolia and to help other families that go through this, you know, and I thought about calling it Magnolia Network. And then I thought, well, that's like a TV network. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so the word mission came because, you know, whatever in your life that you feel passionate about or that you're supposed to walk. I knew that with motherhood, that that's part of my mission. I knew that in the seasons of my nursing career, working with oncology patients, that was my mission in that season, especially in but I'm like, this is Magnolia's mission. She's going to make other moms have a lifeline. That's my goal. So I knew and kind of wanted to start something. And what that's evolved into is I'm in the process of getting my 5013C and to make boxes with certain items for moms to be able to take home from a doctor's office because I don't want those moms to not be seen if they're going to have their babies at home or from the hospital. And then um, to eventually, hopefully, supply my immediate area. And then hopefully, I mean, I think big because my my dear girl's so big in her heart of hospitals everywhere to have a cradle cot where babies that are later term that die that they can stay with their parents a long time yes that that'll be a resource those are such but important the tools of there being a time limit on that you know it wasn't my situation or resource we could have used with magnolia but to think about that for any other family yeah. you know and then just to educate about grief 
and specifically baby loss grief and go, this is a thing. We all need to get more comfortable Mm -hmm. and show up. You know, if we can make other priorities in life, we can make that to support the people that we love because we're all going to lose people. We all live, we all die. We're all going to lose people. So why not be more comfortable, have resources, have even tools in your toolbox to access when someone you love, this happens to them. Exactly. Because I feel very vigilant and just pushed to, I'm sorry, people, but to not take the time and the effort to care about other people around you, to not put your head in the sand and think, if I do this, it'll go away. It's not going away. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping within, and, you know, obviously I'm very early in all this, but those are the clear pathways that I see my girl helping other people. Yeah. It's amazing. That's so beautiful and so needed, right? I mean, that's all we can do. I think sometimes is, is, recognize those those gaps right and those those missing spaces and those missing supports and try to fill them and use our story and our experience to bring good and to bring something something helpful and positive in the world and you know this situation is so full of dark right yeah so if there's any way that we can bring any glimmer of of light which is kindness, which is love, which is empathy, which is compassion, you know, then I feel that, I mean, I think that's why we're all here anyway. Right. Exactly. That's why we're all here. I agree. That's amazing. Well, we are going to be happy to share links to your information in our show notes. So those can be found right there. And we are so glad that you joined us. And do you know what? I'm really looking forward to speaking to you again down the road. So and to hear more about what Magnolia's mission is doing and to check in with you. So thank you for being so courageous and brave and taking this incredibly difficult step to speak with us and to share your story and Magnolia's story today. We're really, really thankful. Well, for me to share my girl brings the only joy that I can think of in this moment. And then if I can make one person not feel so alone, just, just one, <laughs> just one. <laughs> then it's worth every bit of all of it, you know? Yeah. Well, thank so you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. And we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Haven's Landscape of Loss. If you found it helpful to hear this story and are going through a loss journey of your own or supporting someone else who is, consider subscribing on wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with loved ones, post about it on social media, and leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Finally, to learn more and get even more resources about the lost journey or to send a healing gift, please visit havenmidwest.org. And while you're there, consider donating. This podcast is made possible by our partners at Tellwell, listeners like you, and folks willing to share their stories so we can all heal together. You are.